Hi, my name's Joe Houghton, and this is the Plus One Podcast. My guest today is Anne Folds, who recently joined the Innovation Academy at UCD as a facilitation specialist. Anne's got a degree in media and anthropology. She's been a primary school teacher. She's a trained journalist and an experienced educator in several fields with a lot of media experience and a passion for sustainability. Her video series, Plastic Free Kids, which we'll talk about in a bit, won the Best Small Business Video Campaign in the 2020 Irish Social Media Awards and is an educational advisor to the Sustainable Energy Authority of Ireland. And if all that isn't enough, she's also a qualified Samadhi, Samadhi yoga teacher. So uh, so that's a pretty, uh, pretty eclectic mix, isn't it? Um, wonderful. In the two-word kind of description that I ask everybody for before they come on this podcast, um, Anne describes herself as an opinionated introvert. I love that, Anne. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Joe. Yeah, I'm really happy to be here and to get to talk about a few of the things that I'm passionate about. Um, and yeah, when I hear those two words back, I'm thinking, God, that might actually sound a bit um, of a downer. But oh, I think... I yeah. think- I mean, it's because it, I picked up on that as kind of the first question. You know, does the introversion bit kind of play well to to? I mean, you've got this outward persona, haven't you, of an, an educator and you know a media person and journalist and all the rest of it. But if you've got strong opinions and you're an introvert, those kind of things seem to be at different parts of that spectrum don't we yeah it's something that like I've come to embrace I guess that introversion about myself and um, the kind of things that come along with introversion like being a, a keen observer you know um, I guess taking my time with things being quite sensitive to the to the external those things you know at this point in my life I've realized kind of the gifts and the strengths in those and you know the ability to um say no to things and not to put myself in situations but um and therefore yeah there is this constant kind of conflict within me that I feel oh maybe if I was more of an extrovert my opinions would be louder or out there but um I am opinionated and yeah. I have found ways to channel that and um, and I feel, you know, a responsibility because of, I guess, my introversion and my introspection and my reflection on life that, you know, my opinions um, and my, uh, you know, taken in that introverted way do also have a place in the world. So, and, you know, want to speak for other introverts in that way as well, uh, not to speak for others, but I do think you know, introverts and extroverts, the diversity is is wonderful. It's wonderful. And I mean, the, I, I think maybe some people hear the word introvert and they kind of think of all the inward facing stuff without thinking about the positivity of introversion, you know, as you've just described it, you know, the, the analytical ability and the reflection and stuff. And we're coming on to reflection again later because that's one of, one of the things that you, you mentioned as well. So, so let's 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 start kind of by giving everybody a little background on you. You've had this really varied career. So, so take us from kind of school to now. To give, yeah. give us a give us a walk through your your educational journey, if you like. Yeah. yeah. So, um, I would have started my educational journey in Ireland, but um, very quickly moved to Canada when I was a very small child. So my first experience in formal education, so, you know, education happens at home and in all sorts of places. Um, but my first experience in school was in a French immersion in Sudbury in Canada. Um, so I was there for um, about a year and a half. And um, when I came home to Ireland, I entered into junior infants, but in the June of junior infants. And that um, had quite, uh, I would say, a uh, a lasting effect in the sense that at that time, you know, Ireland has changed so much now, but at that time it was unusual that um, students would be coming and going at different times of the year. So I began as the new girl and pretty much for the whole of primary school, um, I was the new girl um, because that was just the way it was at the time. Um, but having had that already living in two countries, having my dad is Canadian, my mom is Irish. So having kind of two cultures already influencing the world already was like 
a very big place to me and a very accessible place to me. So that had quite a a profound effect, um, I guess, the whole way along and something that as a child, you know, you stand out as different. um, But in time and, you know, with kids, a lot of the time you want to be like other people. But retrospectively, I see the, you know, the diversity that, um, is in every room and that, you know, we really need to embrace that because having those different viewpoints, having those different um, opinions is so, you know, brings richness to life. Um, I mean, a lot of time, whether it's conscious or unconscious, people kind of hide that difference, don't they? Because perhaps people almost unconsciously want to be in and they think, diversity is being out. I mean, I've I've kind of done a little bit of research on you, you know, before the podcast. And I'm, you know, I've trolled your your LinkedIn account and your Instagram account and, and all that kind of stuff. And I hadn't picked up the um the Canada thing at all. That's not it might be there, but it certainly didn't jump out. You know, that, that's really interesting. Yeah. And I think there's some things that, you know, when I think, you know, having worked with many kids as well, I see this that like your childhood, you know, the, the, the beliefs that you begin to formulate in those early years, like that world is just the normal world that you know, and therefore that stuff becomes embedded and just becomes part of you. And, you know, where we hit conflict maybe is where, um, you know, where, where we identify that difference as negative. But um, now looking back, you know, I've had an awful lot of diversity in my life and I've seen how like having those um I guess experiences very early on in my life and not just culturally but um my parents also were involved in um uh intentional community so I would have grown up around people um with and without disabilities people from all sorts of cultures and countries and languages so I had this diversity as my upbringing so um brought a great richness to my life yes yeah and then from there I would have um you know been searching you know been a questioning teenager really searching for how I can um choose a purposeful path um so I did my degree in media and took anthropology for the first year really interesting yeah it was I remember at the time it was kind of around my desire to understand people and I kind of had this idea of being like a documentary filmmaker where I would, um, yeah, just having access to people's stories because I just think that everybody has a story. Everybody has, um, you know, a really unique perspective on the world and there's value in all of that. And I I guess I wanted to capture some of that. Um, And from there, I, I started working for a magazine. I actually moved to Germany and worked for a magazine in Germany for a couple of years and had parts of that you know had um a little bit of an opportunity to be able to tell people stories um but for me I wanted something that was face-to-face that was interaction that was um you know being with the people that you're uh maybe sharing the information with so in journalism you're writing a piece and because it was a magazine it actually was you know, like months later before it would get published and hit the shelves. And at that point, it was, you know, far from my mind. And I never knew if people read it, what people thought of it, how people interacted with it. Um, So I was kind of, you know, searching for a different path and then discovered permaculture. Yeah. So I've never heard of this word. I, I, well, I've heard of the word, but, you know, I, I, I hold my hand up. I have no idea what this means. But you've done yeah your course in this and you you know this is important to you so you're gonna to have to tell me about permaculture because <laughs> yeah so and I would say that permaculture maybe you're not familiar with the word but um you know it, it would have originally been coined in kind of the late 70s by David Holmgren and Bill Mollison um Australians um but it has they what they were capturing was something that was already had already been happening for thousands of years so um permaculture would have you know lots of people would say it's permanent agriculture but so it's often used in the agricultural community but it's also permanent culture and that's kind of you know very much ties in with sustainability because something that is 
permanent or can be sustained is something that um, has that momentum where it's it's not going to run out. It's not finite. Okay. So, so that's to- the fundamental behind it, that, that it, the permanence means that it's got to be sustainable. Right. Yeah. And that kind of comes from, you know, indigenous populations where they had found this rhythm of working on the planet and working with nature that was uh, permanent, you know, sustainable for a really long time. You know, humans, we lived a, a very long time on this planet before fossil fuels and there was a, a closeness to nature. So the, the, the terminology and the principles designed around it um, were from, you know, taken from, I guess, the, the history of humanity and the, the, all the knowledge that we'd learned along the way. But it was captured at a time when, you know, there was quite a divergence in, um, especially in agriculture, where there was, you know, heavy use of chemicals and a lot of technology brought in to um, change the way that we produce food for people. So permaculture is kind of the um, the conversation that's saying, okay, we've done this, but I don't think it's right. And, and now, you know, we're really seeing that, you know, choices that we made as as a species, um, you know, we weren't sustainable, weren't permanent, and we've got ourselves into um, quite a mess, I would say, at this point. So, yeah, it's interesting that in recent, you know, weeks, we've we've seen two launches to space by Bezos and um, Branson, haven't we? And you know, the Bezos one particularly has has attracted a lot of negative commentary in the media you know these these millionaires are playing and and spending all this money that we should be pushing back into you know the earth and stuff but and but i mean his his argument is well it's it's opening up a wider frontier and we'll be able to now go out and mine the asteroids and 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 stuff like that but but that's just extending the impermanent culture it's extending the constant consuming of resources more and it's also putting the putting the kind of the belief that something out there, that something intangible will will save us. That's, you know, whereas actually what we already have is so beautiful and wonderful. We live on this amazing planet. You know, people are this amazing species. And um, why, you know, why do we need to look so far away? That is, you know, I would say a fantasy for the large part in terms of, you know, these technological abilities are amazing, but um, if you look at like the amount of energy used, if you look at what was actually achieved, you know, the flight was less than 10 minutes. It's, um, it's, yeah, it's, it's something that I um, would talk to a number of close friends about where it's this conflict between like, it's amazing what humans can do, but, maybe we should be using that creativity and ingenuity for uh, looking after what we do have already. Um, yeah, so it's... It's, it's, a, it's a difficult tightrope, that one, isn't it? It's, yeah, uh, but a lot of it makes me feel um, disgusted. You know, it's like I see these headlines and and I'm um, more hopeful at the fact that, you know, people are being critical of it and um, and especially... I know that he made some comments about Amazon workers and and consumers. And I think that did kind of trigger a lot of people. And, you know, sustainability isn't just about the planet. It's about its people. It's about its inhabitants. And, you know, that encompasses human rights and, you know, quality of life for people. And if you're getting something at the cost of the planet or at the cost of the people on the planet, then that's not OK. And yeah. There's a lot of very kind of deep um, ethical issues that I think we need to have more conversations about because um, I know I'm not the only one who's uncomfortable with this kind of polarity happening. You know, in the news, we see these people heading to space, but at the same time, we see, you know, horrendous floods in Europe, like the worst we've ever seen. People's lives devastated. Um, you know, heat waves here in Ireland. You know, on a not as catastrophic level, but you know, people are uncomfortable. It's something we haven't um, dealt with before. But definitely, heat waves and fires in other parts of the world, and you know, climate change is already happening. People are already being impacted, um, and we know that. 
um, it's it's going to continue like this. It's going to get worse. So how do we spend our time? How do we spend our energy? Um, and how do we collaborate? How do we come together to, to solve this? Because there's no doubt that there's the ability is there, you yes. know, but yeah, how do, how do we, how do we get people on board? And, you know, it's, it's a kind of sounds like, oh, we need to convince people, but actually, you know, we all live on this planet and um, this is all we have. And it's all, you know, it's all any of humans in history have ever had. So, you know, we, we are so lucky, you know, it's, it's an amazing um fact that like we exist that we're here so um yeah i it would be great if we could if we could preserve something of that yeah which you know it seems to be a little bit in the balance at the moment doesn't it is it so definitely yes yeah okay so i mean this brings us kind of back to the career path so you're in germany you're working for a magazine it's probably not lighting up your you know passion in a way that it needs to be is this when you got the career break is this the career break point or is that a bit later on uh yeah I guess you know I would have at different points called it career breaks but now I've realized that that's actually just me following my curiosity me moving from one thing to the next I don't think I've ever taken a full like break but what I've done is pivot um so at that point um you know, for many reasons, living in Germany, I moved back to Ireland, but also I had this interest and I'd actually come across permaculture um, in Kinsale in Ireland. They had a full time permaculture course, which was, I think, at the time, the only one in the world. So it attracted a very eclectic mix of people. Um, and then I was really lucky to spend two years there. Well, and two years in Kinsale. I mean, that's just heaven, isn't it? Absolutely. Yes. It was just, you know, I, I really see it as a very um, rich and defining point in my life. Like many of my close friends I would have met during that time and um, that still would have, you know, a very strong influence um, on, yeah, on me, on decisions that I make and um, things that I learned both in terms of sustainability, um, but also in terms of education during that time would have influenced my decision then to train well, as a teacher. about education? Because, I mean, was it the way the course was run? Was it, was it principles they used? Or what, how, what um, led you into kind of thinking about education more formally? Then, you know? Yeah, I guess the two drivers. So one was that, like, I was learning this information that I just felt was so vital that everybody know this, you know, it was um, climate science, it was science about the soil, it was science. um, And then it was also like looking at communities and societies and how we work together. And, um, and as I mentioned, like the people in that course were very eclectic, really talented group of people um, who had come to this course from, you know, all ages, all walks of life. And I think during that course at different times, we were talking about education and I would have been someone who was, you know, a success of the education system, which I have very, you know, strong feelings about in terms of, you know, what is success. Mm -hmm. But um, there was people there who would have been from certain points, you know, from certain perspectives considered failures of the education system. And yet they were these, you know, intelligent and creative amazing individuals and I realized that there was something really broken it wasn't that these people had failed the education system it was that the education system had failed them and in retrospect I think that it you know in ways it also like I kind of glided through like I found education easy I didn't meet any challenges but at the same time it wasn't like I wasn't somebody who like loved being in school. Like I never thought, you know, this is the perfect way. This is how I want to spend all my time. Um, but I do believe that education is such a powerful tool and it has transformed um, the power dynamics in the world. So, um, and therefore like everybody has the right to access it and everybody should uh, be able to be involved. So that was like my kind of my thoughts that were developing around education at that time were around like that the education system could be better and also that 
this environmental knowledge, this knowledge about the planet and where we're headed and, um, you know, our resources running out and the damage that's that's being done. Like, I also wanted to share that information. And yeah. I knew that education is such a powerful way of, of um, changing the way that we move in the world, changing the way that we think about the world. So I trained, yeah. So why train then for primary school teaching? Because, I mean, teaching a four-year-old or a five-year-old, is, is that going to change the world? Wouldn't you be better training as a, an adult educator? So it's an interesting one because at the time, you know, teaching, my mother had been a teacher at a, a period of my childhood and I had, she was a secondary school teacher. And at some point I had, you know, we, we want to be what we see. So I had thought, yes, I'll do teaching. And I had done um, some work with teenagers and I'd always thought that I would be a secondary school teacher and it was what subject would I teach. But I think even when I was studying permaculture and maybe around that time I had begun, you know, friends started having children and started meeting children. And I just saw how formative and even for me, how formative those first few years of life are, how that's really where we create our beliefs about the world. And, you know, the the evidence is there in terms of like psychology and child development, that that is when your kind of your personal everything is kind of laid down um and you know you come with some of it this whole nature nurture argument like you know these strong personalities exist right from the get-go but the way that they formulate belief systems about the world happens very early so working with children um is quite at that time I was thinking oh you know I'll be able to have the biggest impact but what I've also learned is that working with children is that they that's when they actually can have the biggest impact on me in terms of my learning um that you know when children come into school they're not um you know they haven't they haven't been institutionalized yet yes. you know yes. they're they're free beings they come in like full of ideas and creativity and um, out of them yeah I mean yeah. yeah we put them in boxes and code yeah. Them and, yeah when I was studying permaculture I started or maybe it was even before I started watching a lot of TED talks yeah and um I know other people on your podcast have talked about Ken Robinson Sir Ken Robinson and he had a massive influence on me so he has his TED talk is um schools kill creativity yeah. and you know I think when we go into anything we are really um, idealistic about it and I did think right well if if that's happening then I want to go in there and stop that from happening um but as we know these are much bigger um yeah it's, it's very hard to change a system um but at the same time what's happening within the system there are so many positives and you know, working with my students, working with a class of children. Um, at times I worked as a learning support teacher, so I would have been working one-on-one -on -one or with small groups and seeing the impact that you can have on somebody's life and seeing, you know, and that goes both ways. Yes. You establish a relationship um, with a child or with their family or with my colleagues. And, you know, I see myself as a constant student, you know, lifelong learner and, you know, my best teachers have been my students and people that I've come across. So um, it's, it, you know, really was a privilege to be able to go into primary school teaching and absolutely loved my job and, um, you know, had my strong opinions about ways that it could uh, evolve and change. But, um, you know, it is magic to be in a room with 30 children and to see what happens. And yeah. And to be able to like share information about the world with them that just, you know, the world is an amazing place and people are amazing. And, and that's, you know, if we can hold on to that, then yeah, that's, it's magic. Like I, I really feel that. Yeah. And the passion comes through. I mean, it's quite clear that the passion comes through when you're talking about it, you light up, which is, which is just wonderful. So what, what, what took you out of the classroom then? So. I think there is a sense of urgency around um, climate change, but also we're, we have a, you know, we're in a climate emergency, we have a biodiversity crisis, we have a waste crisis, um, and all of that, 
it's just yeah I, I feel an urgency around it and I think also um, while I was working in primary schools I was also doing a bit of work around mental health and would have worked very closely with a colleague around wellness and um, you know there was reports coming out about uh, you know really shocking statistics about mental health in children um, and happening at a younger and younger and younger age yes. and when you know I, I guess I'm a, a big picture thinker and when I would zoom out I would see okay we have these massive environmental crises and we also have mental health crises and of course we do because if our planet isn't well and thriving then how can the beings on it be well and thriving so I didn't see them as separate I see them so interlinked and if I can put my energy into um you know creating uh, uh, uh you know creating a story maybe that allows us to move in the direction of a healthier planet and healthier people then um that can be hopefully you know impactful I it's it's an interesting one because I have left primary teaching and yet I still very much see myself as a primary teacher and you know I took a career break and that has led me in a different direction yes. it was never the intention to to leave and be done so what I am doing, you know, my work is still, and I'm in schools a lot, you know, up until a couple of weeks ago, I would have been in a classroom. Mm -hmm. So it's still very much um, where I see my work. Yeah. But um, yeah, but the urgency around climate change and trying to bring that into the education space has been where I'm, I'm attempting to, to navigate. But there's challenges to that. Oh, yeah. And I mean, what one of which would be scale. But I mean, to some extent, you you start to address that with plastic free for kids. I mean, yeah. so this is a nice segue into that. So tell us about this project. Tell us, yes. you know, what it is and, and where it went and, and stuff, because it's, yeah. it's a really interesting project. Yeah, so a couple of months into my career break, um, I saw this ad. Actually, a friend of mine sent it to me that this company changed by degrees they were um, a startup and they were looking for somebody to do workshops in schools and it was workshops around going plastic free and I thought this is perfect for me because I have the school experience and my passion is in environmentalism so this was bringing the two together so we started with funding for 50 schools in Tipperary and um, I would have gone into schools and done workshops and then the following year we got funding for 100 schools in Cork so I had you know we had massive demand that year there was there was actually quite a shift which was interesting in um, 2019 we were trying to get schools to sign up and then by 2020, there had been a shift and schools, you know, we put out the call and the places were filled in a matter of days. Wow. But that was um, early 2020. So I had visited, I think it was 32 schools. I was actually in a school when the announcement came that on schools that were Thursday. closing. Yeah, I yeah, remember. On that Thursday. Yeah. 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 And I was in one school and due to go to another school and I I went to the other school and I said, look, I know that you are dealing with, you know, the fact now that you're when you go home today, you won't be here tomorrow. So I said, I'm very happy to do the workshops. I'll take your class and you can, you know, focus on, on getting ready kind of for this shutdown. And at that time, it was interesting because it was coming up to Easter and we knew that um, schools would be closed until after Easter. And in our minds, when I talked to um, Tara and Madeline, who are changed by degrees, we thought, oh, we'd still have time after to complete yeah. the workshops. We didn't realise that the sky was actually falling at the time. <laughs> yeah. So within a couple of weeks, though, it did become clear. Mm. And then we had to do a complete pivot and think about because we had the funding secured and we already had schools. So we were like, how can we do this? So we decided to do this online series. And in the times that we're in it, it's not something, you know, I, I kind of historically had this degree in media. Yeah. Had, had, yeah. had Journalists, no problem. 
problem. Yeah. Yeah. But what's amazing is that the technology had changed so much. Like yeah. when I was in university, we were we were renting cameras and we were uploading and you know there was there was a lot of specialized equipment. And when I made this series, I used my phone, I used my laptop, I used like the software that comes with the laptop. Um and yeah, had lots of help to to pull it all together. But um, but I did also see that in that time, you know, being put under kind of that time pressure and also that, you know, all these existential questions coming into mind just kind of forced me to be clear. And, you know, I believed that I could have uh, could put something something together that could be, um, you know, potentially impactful. We didn't know where the world was going at that time, but, you know, climate change was and still is a much much bigger issue than the, than the pandemic um so it was how to how to just continue with um spreading that message and it actually became rather than me speaking to to one class of kids or a school at a time it it was on it's online and yes. having people sign up from all over the world because yeah. there's an appetite out there and people are looking for how do and you know plastic free is is an avenue is a is a is a way that people can can do their part um but the program i would hope allows children and their families and their teachers to to begin to not only begin to do their bit but to see their power and their voice you know the influence that they can have so um within the series we really take it from like individual actions to then connecting to your community to then engaging with politicians to engaging with you know big business um and how you know an individual can have that impact but also when a lot of individuals come together we can have you know a very big impact so yeah and i i mean i watched a few of the episodes and and you know having now heard your your background story if you like of all the different things and skills that you've built up over the years and stuff you you brought all of them into that you know this the the script is fabulous it's clear but it's very very you know focused and it, it walks you through a journey you're you're a you're a natural storyteller but you get all the facts across and you you got it across in in a way that you know was was aimed at that that or that younger audience and the comprehension level but made it completely comprehensible and i mean i th- i was listening to this and thinking golly this is really good you know it, it, you know no no matter that it's kind of shot in in your you know your box room kind of pointing a webcam at your face the kind of production values don't matter do they it's the it's the message Mm. the impact that the message has and and it was really really well put together so I'm, I mean I'm not surprised you won an award for it because it's a very impressive piece of work thank you very much yeah and I think also like there's parts of it that you know I would do differently I would of course you know, there are but yeah, you never do anything perfectly the first time do you or the second time <laughs> yeah but what it also did was it allowed me to see that you know anybody can do this it's you know and actually, <laughs> children who are, uh, as some people say, digital natives, you know, they can put the things like this together. Yes. They, you know, we've really, from the time that I studied media, where it was, you know, a bit more specialized and certain people had access to equipment. And, you know, there there was still a an unequal distribution of wealth and power in the terms of media. Now we can see how, um, you know, people having a camera in their hand yeah. has you know, changed, changed everything, you know, we can see, you know, we're able to see now on the streets in countries, what is happening on the ground. We don't need it to be filtered through journalists and newspapers. And, and it's, it's a really interesting um, way to engage with the world because it it can be totally overwhelming. You're getting information coming in that hasn't been um, hasn't been edited, you know, down for you. hasn't been packaged. Um, we're getting that kind of live stream from people's homes and streets and from conflict and from you know really challenging situations. But um, there's yeah, it's it's really interesting in terms of of what we can do creatively, how we can share information with each other, and what I had. I guess there's been a shift in terms of 
when I left journalism, I wanted to have that one-to-one interaction. And yeah. now I see, okay, I want to have that one-to-one interaction. We can never replace that. It is it is the best connection, but we are under time pressure. And if I can share, even if a teacher watched my series and replicated that exactly with their class, you know, or interpreted it in their way, put it in their own words, but that they can see how it can just be packaged. You know, we don't need everybody um, trying to start from scratch. You know, yes. we, we have yeah. this global network, you know, we have the technology, we have the ability to just share information, to share tools and access. And um, yeah, it's it's exciting to see how it's grown. You know, it's it's not it hasn't been like um, inundated with with demand, but it has had these pockets of of, um, you know, people contacting me from Uganda and India and all over Europe. And, um, yeah. you know, it's it's really interesting to see that you know something that I created in my back garden effectively hmm. um is is then being interacted with so and, I mean your your heart must just sing when that when that email from Uganda comes in or somewhere like that because you've yeah. reached somebody halfway across the planet who you would never have met otherwise and and I feel humbled and I feel also um, that what I have produced is probably, you know, I don't know how it fits. You know, what I want is that people take it and then be able to manipulate it for their own situation. Because, you know, as much as I would love to have an insight into uh, what life is like in Uganda, I've never been there. I don't know people from there. And um and there's so like most of the worlds I'm like that about. So I think um, rather than trying to have a solution that fits everybody, I want to spark some ideas that people can then take and make their own. And yeah. uh, and there is some commonalities because um, especially in terms of big business, you know, global corporations that are more powerful than governments, we are all um, trying to engage with how do we, you know how how can this how can we create change when the power is structured like that yeah um i love i i love i love this focus that you've got and i mean i've i wrote down the question on my little list after after tell us about plastic free for kids talks to what you've just said so if other educators wanted to produce something like plastic for kids okay <laughs> give us some tips give us some ideas about how you might put a project like that together and what what you you know what did you learn that you you perhaps shouldn't do what are the what are the things that you wish you'd known at the beginning of that project that that you could tell us now if you like if we were going to start something like that yeah it's a good question and I think what each you know for any individual who wants to do something you need to you need to do something that you care about, that you're passionate about. And sometimes that needs a little bit of exploration because um, you might not realize, you know, for instance, you might not realize how passionate you are about the trees in your park until somebody comes along and tries to cut them down. You know, it's something that's there that gives you life, but you might not have like reflected on that or identified that, you know, it is when things are no longer accessible to us that we feel that loss. Mm. So, but I do know that so many teachers are so conscious about what is happening, but um, in terms of climate change, it's, it's, it's overwhelming. Um, how do we begin to talk to our students about such challenging topics? Um, so I'm always focusing on like what we can do, what are, what are our circles of influence? So a teacher needs to start by seeing what they care about. And that might be, you know, waste. It might be biodiversity. It might be, you know, gardening. It might be, um, dependent on their locality. Um, it also could be social justice issues, which are so connected. Um, and then from there, uh, work with, you know, is it, is it the, the, the children in your class that you're working with? It is, is it your staff that you want to influence? Yeah. That's an area that I... Um, know your audience, kind of. Yeah, yeah know your audience. And, um, and I think the structure that I would have put into the Plastic Free episodes where it begins with the individual and then it begins to move outward as you build confidence. So, you know, with a class of kids, start by planting those seeds on the windowsill, maybe then 
design decide to you know change some of the the school grounds into a garden maybe then get parents involved grandparents involved you know the community create a community space and then you know see how that can be connected in how can you connect in with maybe local supermarkets or um who will sponsor you um who you know where can you get your seed uh who else is doing this so then begin to connect is there other school right. gardens yes. you know build it outward connect mm-hmm. with what's happening elsewhere in ireland and then elsewhere in the world and you know it's it's through relationship so like whatever we're doing yes we're having an influence on the planet and on biodiversity but um from so much that i've read around these kind of environmental uh movements and initiatives when you ask people you know why did you get involved what what did you love most about it it's the people i met the connections i made the you know the life that i got from being involved with it the joy that i got from uh feeling like i was making a difference but with other people you know if you if you go and plant trees with a group of people, like it's it's having that community. Um, so that's like, I would talk a lot about how um, we need we need to be connected to other people who um, care about the things that we care about, who are like-minded and that that can also then nourish us to engage with people who maybe don't care about the things that we care about. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that, you know, every person, has power and has influence and that might just be on the person next to them but that we you know feel like we are all uh powerful agents on this planet that we can affect change and not just change for for humans but for other species and working with kids that's you know that's a really um you know kids are are much more connected to nature, to trees, to flowers, to animals, to, um, you know, like the amount of knowledge that a child can have about, uh, you know, the specifics on jellyfish or sharks or, you know, they have this capacity to to just hold all this knowledge of stuff that they are fascinated with. And and I want them to hold on to that. You know, it's it's um, the planet is, yeah, an amazing home and um if we love it then we will look after it and uh, yeah if if children love the planet if we all love the planet we will look after it so it's just re-establishing those connections and retelling that story to ourselves that actually you know our, my home feels like it's this building but actually uh the air that I breathe the water that I drink the food that I eat comes from from outside of me and yeah yeah I love it I mean I love that circles kind of analogy that you 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 describe because i mean that's a really usable framework isn't it mental framework for for any teacher to think about say start small start local and, and then just build out one step at a time and and make connections and and, and forge new relationships and stuff and, and see what happens yeah and it is just that following the the following the curiosity and doing what you know I would say when I um, was teaching you as a teacher you are over overwhelmed with curriculum and um, yes you know necessary bits that you have to do Hmm. and teachers feel very time poor in terms of what they actually want to spend their time doing yes Um, so it can feel like you know, and I, I would say maybe even when I was in primary school, like when we went for a nature walk, it was kind of like last thing on a Friday, you know, when everything else was tied up, mm. we'd go out for a nature walk. But if you can, if you begin in your teaching practice in, you know, not just with children, with any age group, if you begin to try things where you are learning outdoors, where you are um, and not just learning about the outdoors, outdoors, but just learning outdoors. Um, you will begin to see how much learning is actually happening. So it's not just it's not just sitting at a desk with a book reading about trees. It's kids out there looking at the bark, looking at the texture, looking at the patterns, looking at the you know the way the wind interacts with the leaves, and you know the amount of um, and then they're talking to the other kids about that and yeah. the amount of you know English that's happening, maths in terms of like spatial um, recognition and you know there is so much learning that's happening. You know uh, humans evolved for thousands of years without having a textbook yes. and you know built this amazing knowledge base. So it's strange that we have decided that 
and and it's you know I know it's not all sitting in the classroom with textbooks there's you know a lot of very active learning happening but most of it still is happening indoors mm. so my challenge definitely for teachers is to take take it outdoors and that might be that you take you know the storybook outdoors and you do story time outside yeah. um it doesn't have to time will they remember the one the one sitting in the classroom or the one sitting out under the trees one day kind of yeah exactly and you know don't just make it that one memorable experience like just no. do it as a regular thing do you know as adults um as as humans like when we have free time we want to go especially now in this lovely weather we want to go to the beach we want to go hiking you know we want just to sit in the garden um you know we 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 know even if we don't say it out loud there's part of our body that just knows that being outdoors is is good for the soul it's good for the mind it's you know it just calms us it's and and i i think that we have the right to that um you know i i'm very conscious that there's people on our planet who live in literal literal concrete jungles and for for decades people have talked about you know giving children access to nature and for some children that means putting them on a bus and driving them out to the countryside um, it's a cow this is a horse yes. yeah yeah and in ireland i think you know we are very lucky um we could have a lot more and uh, you know a lot more trees we have a very low uh, coverage of trees we could have but you know we have access to nature for the most part kids have been to the beach they know what a tree is um, like that ecological literacy knowledge is um, probably a lot less than what our parents and grandparents had. Um, mm -hmm. Even like uh, as a child, we played freely outside. And yeah. I know yeah. I, I know very few kids who do that now. Yeah. Very few. And there's, yeah, there's definitely, um, we need to really reconsider the impacts of that because it's not just um it's not just on those individual children but it is it's it's how we are valuing how we are sharing what we are valuing so if if we don't as educators put value on uh kids having time outdoors if yes. we don't see how valuable that is and not just an extra add-on that we do on Friday afternoons if yeah. we say that like this is actually an integral part of our practice to establish a positive relationship with our planet um then you know we we will get ourselves into, into even more trouble but but it's a very easy thing to do you know as a as a teacher you just you just go okay we're going outside we're mm. we're and even if that means we're taking our books and we're going outside yeah. why not why not you know mm. so uh yeah, I, it, this this puts me in mind of of some some kind of action that 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 my my children's school did a few years ago. I'm I'm thinking two or three years ago, but I mean, knowing me, it's probably five or six years ago now. But they built an outdoor classroom. Amazing. So they, they hired this amazing guy, Sonny, um, who I think is in based in Waterford. He's a stonemason and he does all, all wonderful stuff. And he came and he built this outdoor classroom with with curved seats um made of stone and stuff and the children had a, a competition in school to design the tops of all the, all the seats you know using mosaic uh, and, and stuff and he laid all these beautiful mosaics into the top of the stone so I'll, I'll i'll put some photos maybe up um when we when we kind of have the video so people can see this but i mean that's an example of a school actually going there doing yeah. something you know and they i think they got some funding for it yeah. um but i mean that is used every day yeah and danny and april come home and you know they say oh yeah we had our class outside today yeah you know, and, and they, they were involved in the whole process and they were involved in the whole process yeah. it was it's just i i just thought that was yeah. so good when the school did that and i mean i i teach you know photography yeah and so many people come to me and say, you know, yeah, right, right. You know, can we, can I come and have some lessons? And and they're thinking we're going to sit at the kitchen table and talk about photography. And I say, yeah, yeah, right. So where are we going? <laughs> and they say, what do you mean? And I said, well, you don't learn about photography at the kitchen table, or you can learn about bits of photography at the kitchen, but, but let's go out, let's go down to the river and see whether we can find a heron, you know, and, and shoot it because you're going to learn far more about photography 
out there with the camera and you know getting the settings right and trying different things than you you ever will watching a youtube video or even sitting with me at a kitchen table exactly it's the it's the learn by doing you know it's isn't it yeah you know when i was making the plastic free for kids series like so many times i just you know i had a, a goal and i had to go okay how do i do that and i watched so many youtube tutorials i had to call up people and you know find out information but if we gave kids those same tasks and you know a lot of um kind of the shift in education is toward that is toward these project-based learning and if if somebody has an end goal and then they have to figure it out along the way Mm -hmm. then that's so much more powerful and it also um is you know it it upskills at a rate that we just can't replicate by taking one thing at a time and going through things in an order that we think makes sense. And it sense. means that they collaborate because you, they're working in teams and they're bouncing ideas off each other and they're arguing, and which means they're processing mentally in different ways and all kinds of stuff. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's just so much, like within education, the opportunities are endless and mm. it's just about harnessing that and not getting... Um, worn out and bogged down and disillusioned and you know institutionalized and stuck because I see that happening um as you know it was very uh I was very privileged to be able to when I was doing the workshops to to walk into hundreds of schools and to see hundreds of classrooms and to see you know meet loads of teachers and see all the amazing stuff that's going on and and also then to see some of the, the places where there's definitely room for a change and for for um, for new energy. And, you know, I would be really passionate about the fact that if a teacher loves their job, if a teacher loves what they're doing, then that just is, you know, then they are an amazing teacher. And if we look at te- the profession and see, you know, why aren't teachers happy? Because teachers go into this job you know intentionally but why what happens you know schools kill creativity is it it's not just for the children maybe it's you know maybe across the board and um but you refresh yourself don't you I mean you consciously you know you said earlier on you're a lifelong learner and you consciously put yourself on new courses and do CPD I mean you've just done the diploma in sustainability with the Innovation Academy and Eileen Diskin. And that's presumably led you to the Innovation Academy then, because at some point you must have thought, oh, this is all right. (laughs) I wouldn't mind being a part of this. So, I mean, talk, talk to it, talk about that, that kind of. Absolutely. Like um, that's the one, I guess, whatever belief I laid down very early in my life was that I loved learning. And I do think that like at times in school, it wasn't happening at the rate or in the direction maybe that I wanted. I, so therefore I had, I guess I had the privilege in ways that I was able to go, okay, outside of school, what am I interested in and what, what will I go after? And, you know, I loved university. I loved um, being able to like have those really deep conversations on very particular um, topics and, and after educate after university, I wanted that. I wanted more of that. So um, it's just been natural for me that I would keep learning and, and that anything that I love, I want to, to share. So that's where my yoga teacher training will come from was that I just yoga had gifted me so much in my life. And I wanted to delve deeper into the practice and then also have the opportunity to to share that with others. Um, but when I came to so last year signing up for design thinking for sustainability and in ways I can say that my um I came uh a little bit skeptical to it at this point I um you know I've worked in the area of sustainability for a long time and have a lot of passion around it but in the world that we operate in, uh, a piece of paper is sometimes necessary to open doors. So I very much was doing it from, okay, I need some kind of piece of paper that says I'm qualified in sustainability and that will open more doors for me. What I wasn't prepared for was the absolutely, you know, transformative learning experience. Um, And I can say that I've been really lucky that actually I've chosen a lot of those along my way. But I just wasn't, I don't know why, but I just, 
wasn't expecting it in this particular scenario. But of course, like from the first hour mm. being online, you realize, okay, this is, there's something really special here. And, and so much of it just, um, yeah, it just delighted me that this kind of learning was happening in formal third level education. Um, yeah. Because I just it was I love the fact that it was a surprise to you. It was a surprise. And you know, that it was intentionally led that way by the facilitators. It's designed that way. Um, you know, my experience in university was very rich, but it was because of the conversations and all the stuff that was happening outside. But for the actual transferring of knowledge, I was sitting in lecture halls, sometimes with hundreds of other people, and listening to somebody speak who didn't know my name and who would never have a one-to-one conversation with me. Whereas yeah. in the Innovation Academy, it is like it's based on that. Um, you know, we're on this learning journey together, we get to know each other, there's a sense of community built, and um, you know, everybody is is learning. And it's really well facilitated and it just, yeah, it was such a wonderful experience. There's no lecturers in the Innovation Academy. No. You're facilitated. And I mean, it's just a word, but it's not just a word, is it? It's a mindset. It's an ethos. Absolutely. And it is that shift from, uh, you know, that there is somebody that has the knowledge that will give it to you. It's not, you know, I know, like even this thing around getting an education or receiving yeah. an education, like it's not, it isn't a, a one-way transaction. And and I think that we have done a disservice to an awful lot of students by not allowing them to make those choices in their education. Do you know, we, we have decided what you are going to learn and we are going to deliver it in this way. And, you know, kids sit there and you know are told to sit there and be quiet and listen mm-hmm. and that's you know if you can shift that and ask kids what you want to learn and 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 that's what's happening now in this in the innovation academy it's it's you know person sent person led so student led so yes we have a plan yes there is a uh you know objectives learning objectives but um how we do it is constantly um, being, you know, designed. It's, yeah. it's, it's happening as we are going, as we are seeing what people want, what people, um, you know, how people are navigating the information that's being shared. And, um, you know, it's very much the learner is uh, in charge of their own learning. And if they haven't yet been to this point, like if they have been through a very um, conventional um education process where they have very much been a kind of a passive um, recipient, then this forces them to go, okay, actually, do I want to do this? How do I want to do this? Oh, I get to use these skills. Oh, they're giving me complete freedom to present this in any way I want. What way do I want to do that? And that forces people to, 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 go in internal and to, to pull out the, the, you know, challenges people to identify their own values, their own skills, their own strengths. And in that process, values that, you know, those gifts from this diversity of people. So I think it is a real empowering experience to, um, to have, yeah, an education experience where, where that happens. It's yeah. just, you know, because you never want to go back then. You never want to to sit in a in a in a lecture again and no. not be able to have a dialogue and not be able to be creative and yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, my, my my alarm's just gone off. So we're in our last kind of five minutes or so. So there's a couple of couple of little things just to wrap up then, because mm-hmm. this has just been wonderful. I mean, it's been so rich. Um your Plus one, you've already given us, so design time outdoors, yeah. Um, but one of the books you, you gave us, I mean, Ken Robinson, we've, we've kind of, other people have mentioned him, and everybody kind of knows Ken is Ken, or was Ken. But, but you, Richard Louvre, talk about Last Child in the Woods, because I don't know that book, and yeah. one of your, your books, so. So um, I think it was published in 2005, and, um, and a lot of the research done on it would have been from you know, before that from the 90s and 80s. And it really talks about um, nature deficit disorder. So this is where children 
are not accessing nature and the implications that that has on um, child development. Um, and then I would say the implications that that has on society. And he writes about that in the book as well is how, you know, how do we create stewards um, in the future? You know, how do we, how, how will we have people who know and want to look after the planet if they have never had direct experience with nature? Um, so, and I know in, in Ireland, like within mainstream schools, there is even this shift, like forest schools have begun to gain traction. And I know lots of teachers who have done the forest school training and who have designed this into their school you um, must send me a link. I've never heard of forest schools, but forest uh, schools. Put a link yeah. Because, uh, and, yeah, and I know, you know, I know lots of people who run um, summer camps and Easter camps and uh, outside of school, and they, you know, they are the experts. They have been working with children and nature for years. Um, had, yeah, I mean, when I was on my my diploma course with the Innovation Academy, um, Emma was on it, and she runs Branch Out in 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 Wicklow. Okay, amazing. Uh, she's one of those. She's she does, you know classes for kids you know classes from schools go out and spend a, a, a day mapping rivers and, and stuff and having an amazing time yeah. Yeah. and learning about you know because the other big thing that I have a, a belief around is that like everybody wants to belong and where we find that sense of belonging is it is it with our family and if is it in our community but if we can feel that we belong to the planet that we belong in the in this time in this space then having that sense of belonging allows you know you then to to be a, a creator to be you know active participant of the world um but having those you know for children to have and I think in the past I th I'm thinking of my grandmother here who who died when I was very young but who my mother would often say um her influence you know comes out through me she was um very involved in the, the girl guides she would have been head of girl guides in Ireland but you know children had those uh girl guide scouts you know out in nature experiences yeah. part of a club you know part of exploring and camping and um you know humans lived outdoors for thousands of years and now it's like oh my god like ha have to get in a tent or you know the idea of sleeping outside most many people have never slept outside we you know put, we put a tent up in the garden last week and and the, um the kids slept outside amazing and they loved it. They absolutely loved it. So, I mean, your 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 final call to action that you wrote down was around building your own connections to a community. Yeah. Uh, this is what you're talking about, isn't it? So, find your find your tribe, yeah. find, and and or create your own if you haven't yeah. got. And listen to the people in your life who believe in you, because I've been so lucky to have a few people who've popped up along the way who've seen something that. Um, you know, they've identified for me from the outside and that, you know, they've allowed me to nurture. And, you know, even I have classmates from the course that I just did who would have been, you know, uh, such massive influences in how I believe I can interact with the world, you know, so it's constantly happening. And I think, you know, find those people. If you don't have people like that in your life, find those people. Um, build connections wherever you can, because what is certain is that we are facing into uncertain times and we don't know, you know, we cannot prepare for what will come. But if you have connections with people um, and if you are, if you, you know, believe in yourself, as cheesy as that sounds, but like if you have that agency and you can make connections and if we can build connections with people who who don't have connections you know I also feel a sense of responsibility because um and that would be something very much out of a very privileged upbringing in a very privileged part of the world is that you know I am able to go on this journey because of the way that the the planet is organized and it's not a fair organized you know it's not no, organized it's fairly um I'd just come back to permaculture and permaculture has principles, but it also has ethics. And when I discovered the ethics of of permaculture, that was where I like, I know that I can return to them. So there's three ethics and they are 
um, earth care, people care and fair share. And they are so connected. And if, you know, if I can move in that direction, um, I need people who, you know, who I can connect to, who, and I want people to be connected. So, but there are so many people, yeah, who, who, who don't have those opportunities. So we need to, you know, reach out and, and use our voices, use our power um, to lift them up to, to create a fairer world where hopefully we can continue to thrive for many generations. I'm so glad I reached out to you the other day in that in that meeting because that was the first time we'd actually kind of seen yeah. each other, wasn't it, on on that meeting and stuff like that. And I mean, it is it is a difficult thing to do, isn't it, to kind of reach out to somebody that you don't know and say, you know, hi, can we can we chat or can we talk yeah. or, or whatever. Um, and I wasn't expecting that, um, I guess, immediate in, invitation, but I'm, I'm so happy to have made the connection. And, to, and also just to, to, you know, I would say Innovation Academy is all about taking risks. Yes. And, you know, um, and this for me is, is not my comfort zone, but I am, you know, delight, you know, I'm passionate about what I speak about. And I'm you opinionated. Are. You are. <laughs> and I mean, one of, my, one of the biggest benefits, I suppose, from a personal perspective of doing this this little project I'm doing with the podcast is I get to talk to amazing people. So I've, I've, I've met a new amazing person. And I mean, I come off when I've come off one of these calls, which is almost every call and I'm fizzing, I'm buzzing. I'm, I'm like energized. Yeah. And I mean, you've done that this year, this, this hour, you've energized me, you know, and you're sitting what down in Cork, you know, looking yeah. at us, and, and I've got a yeah. little two-inch screen in front yeah. of you with your face on, and yet I'm I'm finishing up this call and I'm feeling energized and I'm feeling I want to go off and find out more and and you know read more and and stuff. I mean, that's that's amazing. That's what but, it's about. And what's so amazing is that you are having these conversations and you are capturing them and you are sharing them with other people because um, I think that you know, maybe in the education space, we do have a lot of like chat with colleagues and, ch- yes. you know, formalized chat, but um, yeah, being able to hear different perspectives and, you know, I've listened to a lot of them and hearing people at all different facets of education. Um, having and I was so pleased that you came on because I mean, we hadn't got sustainability really in that mix, which is, you know, and you've certainly yeah. filled that, filled that yeah. gap to some extent beautifully so, so thank yeah, you so much yeah, yeah yeah you're very welcome and I would say that a lot of the other conversations I've heard even though they weren't labeled as sustainability the the little you know people are working in directions that are creating a better future and that is that's that is sustainability we create a better future that's sustainable for everybody yes well that's a, that's a good place to finish so so and thank you so much for coming on today um, thank you so much Joe it was an absolute pleasure to talk to you